Good morning, and welcome to episode 99 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus Daily Podcast. In New York, New York, I am Ben Lindbergh, and in Long Beach, California, in the Honda Fit. Joining me is Sam Miller. Hello, Sam. Hello, Ben. Uh, yesterday, we discussed a major off-season move, and today we are also discussing a major off-season move, not the same one, a, a different one. Uh, this time we're going to talk about the Rays and Royals trade that happened, I guess, on Sunday night, right before we talked about the Granky trade. Uh, and we've now had a day to digest this and to read the many articles written on both sides of, of the debate and coming down on, on either side, uh, some people staunchly defending the Royals' decision, others uh, thinking that the Rays wiped the floor with the Royals. There's a, a pretty wide range of opinions here. Um, so I guess we will try to make sense of why that is and talk about some of the outstanding issues here. Um, is there any particular place where you want to start? I have a few kind of questions, but I don't know where to dive in exactly. Uh, well, uh, I mean... I don't either. So okay. Uh, so I guess there's 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 one perspective I guess which is can we maybe we should just start by saying whether we think it's a good trade for the Royals okay. or not. All right. Should we 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 should probably say what the trade is just in case. It's uh, James Shields and Wade Davis will go to the Royals and uh, Will Myers, top prospect Will Myers, and uh, three other prospects of varying. Levels will be going to the Rays, yes. and Shields is signed for two more years at, I believe, $21 million or so, dollars. and Davis has a, a long extension that he signed that takes him theoretically 2017. through 2017. Yeah, and the last year that deal, I think, is, is $10 million. and it starts at around 2 and a half or something next year. Um, it's good that we did that because we talked about Koji Oihara for an entire episode last week and didn't mention why we were talking about him until the last 30 seconds, which someone pointed out. So now we have established why we are talking about this topic. Uh, so I guess, I mean, my initial reaction was that the Rays had gotten the better of this deal. Um, I have, I guess I've, I've fluctuated a bit on the, the degree to which I think they won the deal, just reading the various perspectives uh, when I read the impassioned defense of the deal, I am I am slightly tugged towards that side, and then I read something on the other side, and I'm slightly tugged towards that side. But I have I have remained on the side of the Rays winning this deal, uh, though I don't think it's it's the most abominable trade ever on the part of the Royals, which is uh, maybe there there has been some sort of hyperbole. On that side, as if this is one of the worst deals we will ever see, I don't think it's quite that bad. Um, but I, I do think the race got the better of it. Yeah, I think. Well, I think um, not everybody, but almost everybody, I think, thinks that the Rays uh, won from their perspective. More the question is whether the Royals lost mm -hmm. or whether it's a, a move that suits both teams. And so I, I also, I mean, I don't, I, I haven't. Um, I mean, I would be perfectly fine being uh, convinced otherwise I don't really have a, a great emotional investment in saying that the Royals lost it I don't take like like 
delight uh, in badmouthing Dayton Moore or anything like that. But I also think that it is a um, poor move from the Royals' perspective, and I think that uh, they would have been better off if they hadn't made the move. Yeah. Uh, I guess the maybe Jeff Passan sort of expressed the the sentiment on the Royal side of the deal, deal. and even he said that the, the Rays probably got the best value here long term, um, but that the Royals won in a way also. And, and the way that he put it, I guess, was that they have this young core. Uh, it is their, their competitive window seems to be open at this point, except for the fact that they didn't have any starting pitching, really. And that's a problem. And they have sort of failed to develop it. They've, they've drafted some, some promising starters, but those starters have gotten hurt or they haven't panned out in the way that it was hoped that they would. So the way that Passon put it is that they were essentially boxed into making some sort of move while they could theoretically contend because if they just waited and waited before you know it, the, the Hosmers and the Mustakases will start to get expensive and then they'll go their separate ways and, and the core will be gone. And, and the idea is that at least as he mentioned, David Glass would not pay for a free agent starter of a, of equivalent value or roughly equivalent value. A lot of people have said, well, why didn't they just sign Anibal Sanchez and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, spend a little more money maybe, but, but save in the long term. Um, which is pretty persuasive. He he sort of portrayed it as more not really having a choice that that Glass wasn't willing to do that. Now, if that's the case, if this was his only way to improve the rotation, or if the only way to improve the rotation was by trading a top position player, uh, does that make this more acceptable to you? Well, I think um, there are. In sort of in broad strokes, I think there are three arguments that are used to defend the Royals' position. One is that they needed pitching more than they needed hitting. Two is that it is their window now, and so the long-term value of Myers is you know less to them than the short-term value of Shields is. And three is that prospects are simply uh, haven't done anything and therefore don't have the same value. So the pitching one is probably to me maybe in it might be the most compelling one in a way. Because um, if uh, if if they you know if they simply weren't going to have the the financial flexibility to to make these moves on the free agent market, then they certainly are limited. I think that I, I generally have a, a little bit of a problem with this line of thought, though, because um, they I mean you don't you don't get bonus points for having a balanced team. You get bonus points for outscoring your opponent. And it doesn't really matter if you have the worst pitching staff in baseball, if you have the greatest offense in history, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, you just have to score more than the other team. And um, the upgrade from, uh, I guess, maybe Will Smith to James Shields is certainly substantial. Um, but I think that if you know Myers turns into something, um, then the upgrade from Francoeur to Myers is also uh, substantial, and yeah, and um, he put that at four wins as uh, as of next season, which seems well it depends on it depends on but yeah it depends on your your projection system. Pakoda has basically it depends on which pitcher you replace with Shields, but Pakoda has I think Shields at like the the Shields upgrade is like a win or so more than the Myers upgrade. Um, 
but you know again it it depends on which system you're using it depends on which players you're 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 removing um i mean that's a sort of a complicated math to do i know that i saw the oliver projection for myers was very high it was like an 810 or 820 ops this year and you know passon made the case that that corner outfielders are easy to find yeah that, um, that was interesting because we talked i guess it was a couple of weeks ago now when the the myers reports first started to surface I, I think when we talked about that neither of us thought that he would actually be traded um but we talked about what it would mean if he were traded and, and rj anderson wrote an article for bp about that and whether it would sort of reflect poorly on myers or whether we would have to adjust our expectations for myers if he were traded because as RJ pointed out, and as a bunch of people have now pointed out again in the last day or so, uh, it is rare or unprecedented for a prospect of his caliber to be traded before even appearing with his team. And now we're starting to see a lot of people kind of, I mean, we're seeing people talk about how great a prospect he is, but we're also seeing people kind of poke holes in his prospect status, at, at least a little bit. Just he plays right field. He has a lot of swing and miss. It could take him a few years to get established in the majors. And um, I, don't, I don't know if he would have heard that before the trade, maybe. But um, I, I guess maybe the fact that he has been traded is is kind of prompting people to think a little less of him or at least look for reasons why he would have been traded. Uh, anyway, as you were saying. <laughs> as I was saying. Now I'm way now now like to go back to the sentence that I was literally in the middle of would seem weird. Yeah. Uh, but I was just gonna say that um, Passon listed some corner outfielders who are kind of uh, mid-salary guys who were productive this year. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know that I believe that cheap uh, corner outfield is actually easier to find than cheap pitching. I mean, it. Pitch, there's so many pitchers in the world, and I mean, obviously, it's a competitive market for them. But I mean, you could name, a, you could, you could also make a list of guys who um, were unexpected contributors to teams this year and the pitching staff, uh, you know, in pitching rotations as well. So I don't know that I'm totally convinced by that, but I'm probably most convinced by that. The window argument is where I really um, find that I dislike this trade, and as you've heard me say, I'm. Um, I've become not really a big fan of the idea of windows. I don't really like the idea of punting four seasons in a row in order to try to make one or two big pushes because I, I find that those pushes can get derailed by so many factors that what you really want to do is put yourself in as many positions as possible um, where you can, um, you know, where you can at least fancy the idea that things could break right. And I think the Royals, um, what they're doing is essentially – uh, in a way, making I would say the same mistake, but on the on the back end of this, they instead of trying to win for each of the next six years, they're essentially shoving their window into a two-year period mm -hmm. with shields, right. and that's what I don't like. I would really have liked to see them give themselves six, seven, eight years with this core to try to make something happen instead of trying to make it happen in two years. Two years, it's just too hard to have things go right in, in two years. Right. Things don't go right. And so I would have, you know, that's that's probably my big problem with it. It shortens it shortens the core. And I mean Shields is a free agent in two years. He might, you know, he might sign an extension. That's all well and good, but he'll probably be very expensive at that point, and I still don't consider him a particularly elite pitcher. And, um, you know, I, I think that you 
would rather have Shields this year than Myers. You would rather have maybe Shields next year than Myers. You would certainly rather have Myers the next four years than nobody, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where I, that's where I I think it's a it's a bummer of a move. Yeah, it's almost fatalistic, or it's like they they artificially set their expectations for themselves lower than they had to. Uh, yeah, as exactly. If... And this is not the be- I don't think this is the best year that they could have hoped for either. I mean, the, it, I mean, sure, everything could have gone wrong. If you if you're gonna be that pessimistic. You could say, oh, well, shoot, everything could have gone wrong, and in three years we might be in last place again. But, I mean, you know, God, you want to make all your moves based on the worst-case scenario? It seems like, uh, you know, they had something going. It was going to be fun. There was going to be a night <laughs> of fun in Kansas City. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it seems sort of a shame to assemble the the greatest. I don't know if I'm talking over you. You're fading out a bit. Um, but to establish the... the just the greatest collection of prospect talent that anyone has ever seen in recent memory. Uh, and then to just kind of mortgage it for 2013 and 2014, it seems like they're more likely to contend the next couple seasons, but their odds of becoming the next raise are, are much lower now than they would have been before the deal because you're looking at a, a guy who would have been under team control and cheap and, possibly very, very good for years. And the Royals could have sustained this thing, you'd, you'd think. Yeah, they could have you'd... kept it going. With I mean, the obviously they have some talent at, at drafting and signing and developing players. Things haven't worked out perfectly, but they put this collection of talent together and, and they've graduated much of it to the major leagues. Uh, there's no reason why they couldn't continue or, or why that couldn't continue to be a strength. Uh, so if they could have locked up a few of these guys and, and kept them in town and continued to supplement with new talent and guys like Myers, there's no reason why they couldn't be Tampa Bay themselves with probably a, an even higher payroll and a better ballpark and a, and a, and a better market. Yeah, remember in uh, at the trade deadline when I was saying that the Orioles should trade Dylan Bundy because mm-hmm. even though we didn't think that they were good and that they probably weren't going to make the playoffs anyway and their playoff odds at the time were like 7%, mm-hmm. I was saying it's still the closest they're going to get because they're a terrible team and a terrible organization. Mm-hmm. That was a, an extremely pessimistic viewpoint, and I was being basically a jerk to the <laughs> Orioles. And what the Royals have done is essentially take that position for their own team. They're saying, hey, we had 72 wins last year. This is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> we better make our run now. You know, like, the, you. I mean, you look at the, you bring up the Rays, and it's a really good point, and it's fascinating that this is the Rays and the Royals because the Rays and the Royals are in a lot of ways in the same position right now. They, the Rays are actually closer to winning the division next year, but in the same, I mean, they both are thinking that they're going to win uh, that they're going to contend for the division right now. Mm-hmm. They're both thinking that they have very small margins um, and they can't afford to waste money. They're both uh, thinking that they're not going to be able to add through free agency, and they're both trying to build a core that will be cheap but successful for a few years. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of fascinating that the Royals – I mean, obviously, the well, when we talked about whether teams were ever going to stop trading with the Rays, you, I mean, you would maybe think that – 
that at some point you'd go, hey, the Rays have been really successful at this. This is a model that has worked. This is the model that all small market teams should be kind of trying to emulate. The Royals have to some degree when, you know, when they locked up Sal Perez mm-hmm. to that to that long term deal. That was a very Rays kind of a move. Um, you would think at some point they'd think, you know, why don't the Rays want uh, Shields right now <laughs> right. and David right now? And why do why are they willing to make this move even though they're closer to the division right now than we are. I mean, I guess the response to that is that the Rays kind of have an imbalance in the other direction with the, sure. how their talent is distributed in the roster. They have more starters than they can fit into a rotation, really, right now. So uh, it's not that they don't want Shields. It's just that his value is at its highest, and the drop from Shields to the next guy isn't as, as large for them. Uh, so I guess that is the response. I don't know if you find that convincing. I find it a little convincing. I mean, I I, I don't I, I imagine that the Rays would be um, happy to have more pitchers than they need, as every team is. But it is I mean, it is relevant and it is a fair point. Um, uh, criminy, I forgot what I was. Uh, oh yeah, oh, I, I thought the most maybe the most convincing point that anybody made. When, if you think that this is crazy lopsided, and and basically, it, I mean, it boils down to Shields and Myers. There's very key parts. I was shocked at the quality of prospects that were going back in addition to Myers. And Davis isn't useless, and Davis might be very useful. But if you look at Myers Shields, I think most people who consider this trade lopsided would consider Myers Shields imbal- an unbalanced trade. Mm-hmm. And so it's very convincing to me to uh, read the, in Jeff Passon's piece that the Rays actually resisted, yeah. that, that they rejected that deal. I was going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. I, I would, I'm surprised by that. And it makes me reevaluate both players and it makes me reevaluate both teams' philosophies because I think that the Rays, um, if the Rays would turn that down, then they would do it with a good reason. Well, I, maybe they turned that down because they figured they could get the Royals to sweeten it more. I mean, that's, well, that's the way it worked out. Right. One of the two options is that they were basically bluffing and that they they just knew that they could get somebody to overpay for Shields mm-hmm. and that Myers alone wasn't enough of an overpay. Or the other is that they actually evaluated these players and they thought that Shields' surplus value as a starting pitcher locked up for two years is greater than Myers' surplus value as a top 10 prospect. Well, and yeah. um, and I, I wouldn't have thought that. It surprises me if that's the case, but there's reason to think that it might be. Well, it surprised me even more something that Passan also wrote that that the A's turned down a Myers for Brett Anderson trade straight up. Yeah. That I, that probably surprised me even more, even though uh, Anderson is signed for three years, or at least has, has team options that would take him through three years and is younger uh, and is, I mean, I don't know, he's left-handed and, and maybe he has more long-term promise, but he's also a guy who can't stay healthy and made six starts last year and 13 starts the year before that and 19 starts before the year that. I mean, you'd think a team like the A's would have jumped on that deal, or at least I would have thought so. Also a team with surplus pitching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my first thought was that I would rather have Anderson than Shields. I'm not sure anymore that I think that because, uh, I probably always underestimate, how injury prone and injury prone pitcher is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of have a crush on Anderson, but yeah, I now looking at it, I think that I would have thought that that would be a no brainer too. Mm-hmm. If you're the, so it is interesting and it makes you wonder what it is about Myers that makes him less in demand 
by teams than by prospect rankers. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the deal is done, whatever we may think a bit. Uh, so in the aftermath, do you think that the Royals are a contending team this year? I look at the roster and I really like the lineup, uh, even without Myers, even with Frank Corr. I like everyone else in the lineup just about. Um, mm-hmm. But the rotation, you, you'd like, I think, if you traded your top prospect for starting pitching to have a rotation that you didn't have to worry about too much after the deal. But even looking at it now with Shields at the top and with Guthrie, uh, beyond that, it is still pretty iffy. There's Urban Santana, there's Bruce Chen, who's fine for a a number five, I guess. Uh, And then there's Wade Davis, who it seems based on, on his past performance in the rotation could maybe be a a back of the rotation guy, probably nothing better than that if he's actually starting. Uh, So does this look like a a contending team right now? If they have kind of mortgaged the future in some sense to contend now, will it work? I mean, I think they're certainly among the 26 teams that I would consider to have a chance, (laughs) and they're probably among the, I don't know, 18 that I would consider to have a realistic chance. But if you asked me to choose a roster from the NL uh, from the AL Central, mm-hmm. they would they would be the third team I would choose. Okay. Uh, well, that's I guess not really what you would want to see after making a, a trade of this nature. That if you're going for it in 2013, that in a kind of division that seems to be wide open every year, they would still not be the favorite, or maybe even the second favorite. Um, I- yeah, I guess the one question, too, is what does it take for this to be successful? I mean, for, for Kansas City to declare victory. And I would imagine that, I mean, you know, a, a wild card, a, a wild card play-in game that they lose wouldn't be enough, I imagine. A World Series certainly would be. So I wonder what they think needs to happen in the next two years to justify the addition of shields. Yeah, I read. I don't remember what reaction it was now, but but basically said making the playoffs is a win just because it's been so long. Uh, yeah, I would say that I would be um, if if that's truly their philosophy, then I would be disappointed by that. Mm-hmm. And what do you think this means for the Rays in the short term? I think it was Buster Olney who made the point that we might not even see Myers next year in Tampa Bay or. We might not see him much if they hold him down and, and try to save his service time uh, for when he might be more major league ready. Uh, and they might try to lock him up to a, a, a Longoria-style extension. So if they don't have Shields next year and if Myers hasn't arrived yet or isn't an impact player yet um, and the other prospects probably aren't yet either and they don't have Davis... Uh, okay. They're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, I think Shields would have been their fourth best pitcher next year. Um, and my battery might die instantly. So okay. if, if I, I'm very low. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. The Rays are – I wouldn't take the Rays as the number one roster in that division either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Rays are probably a solid eight wins, ten maybe ten wins better than the Royals, and will do just fine. I mean, they're going to be – they're going to be an 85 to 95 win team for the next four or five years. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, we've talked a lot about this and we could probably talk for a lot longer because this is a really interesting trade. Uh, I'm kind of happy it happened just in that sense because it's a fun trade to talk about and analyze. Is there anything else you want to cover about it? Uh, well, I mean, no, I, I, I agree. We could probably talk for another 40 minutes, but nothing imperative. Okay. So we'll be back uh, then on Wednesday with the email show, the traditional email show. So if you want your email to be read and answered, uh, please email us at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. And I guess it will also be episode 100, and we have nothing planned for that special episode except for answering your emails. So this has been episode 99. We will be back tomorrow.